Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 168, the Thanksgiving episode, Gobble Gobble. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Jared, as always, I'm joined by you, and I just wanted to say that I am thankful to have you here on the show. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, no Dom this week, yet some things come up, but he will be back next week when we talk about uh, the Game Awards and our predictions for what we'll see and what we think might win. Uh... We'll also talk a little bit about the whole Death Stranding predicament of it being uh, nominated uh, and its relationship with Jeff Keighley and Kojima and all of that. So stay tuned for next week's episode. This week is going to be a little bit likely of a shorter episode. Not a whole lot of news going on Thanksgiving week, as you would imagine, uh, especially here in the States specifically. Um, in terms of what we've been playing, I am still on the quest to complete the Pokédex. For Sword Shield. Quest. Um, so, do you know how many individual Pokemon there are in the Sword and Shield decks? Uh, four hundred. Wow, that's not very many at all. Nah, that's why people are it's upset because like, they kind of cut it in half. Yeah, I was gonna say that's less than half. I can. Everybody's talking shit about the people who are upset. I can actually understand it if it's like less than half the Pokemon. I thought it would have been like. Oh, you're not getting every Pokemon, but we'll do most of them. But that's a lot missing. Yeah. I mean, for, for a new system and everything, okay. I, I think it helps it not feel overwhelming. And people can actually, comp like, you can reasonably complete the Pokédex, you know, yeah. and get the Shiny Charm and all that stuff. So I'm not too upset about it. I'm currently sitting at, I think, 168 caught. I don't remember how many I've seen, but still working towards that. I'm now in the phase where I'm leveling up the... Weaker Pokemon, I have uh, a, a higher level Pokemon that has False Swipe, which is really good for catching because when it hits, it'll never have the Pokemon drop below 1% of health. So it's really good if you go into lower level areas and you have the strong dude, you can just False Swipe them and you can catch them real easily. And I'm breeding, uh, you know, now, some of the other Pokemon. Now, an actual useful pre-order bonus, which interesting point that... I've been thinking about recently is that most of the time Nintendo doesn't have pre-order bonuses for their games. Yeah. Um, but with this one, I got a code for 12 quick balls and that's always nice having those. Uh, if it's a Pokemon like Abra, for example, that you don't want to fight against cause then it could teleport away. Then you can throw in the quick ball at the beginning of the battle and it has a higher chance of catching. Yeah. It's a nice little bonus there. Um, so I'm working my way towards that. Nothing else really to report on Pokemon there. Uh, in terms of Jedi Fallen Order, last week we had talked about our progress. You were a little bit further than me, uh, if my memory serves correct. Yeah. Since then, I have I finished everything on the Zepho home world. I went okay. to uh, Dothamir, did the stuff that you could do there, right? The little bit of stuff okay. you could do there. Left, went to Kashyyyk, did all of Kashyyyk, finished that. And I'm currently on my way back, or I already flew there and I saved, but I'm, after you finish Kashyyyk, you have to go back to the Zepho homeworld. So that's right. where I'm currently at. So I just finished going back to the Zepho homeworld, and I'm now on Ordo Eris, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Which is right after going back to Zepho. Then after Ordo Eris, you go back to Kashyyyk one final time and then that's when i'm going to dothamir because that's when you can totally explore dothamir without uh, you know the metroidvania stuff getting in your way quick question and you can say you can choose to not answer this if this information has been revealed 
since you're a little bit farther ahead than me in the game. Okay. Uh, do you have an? Who do you think the the stranger is at Dothamir, the robed stranger? Yeah, I have not been to Dothamir at all. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's the thing is like you can't finish Dothamir until you've gone back to Kashyyyk. Yeah. You've been to Kashyyyk two times, and uh, obviously we've both only been to Kashyyyk once. So once I hit Kashyyyk for the second time after Ordo Eris. Then I'll do Dothamir so that I can just do it all in one go. Uh, one thing I did find out, uh, mm, I don't know if actually, because I don't know if that'd be a spoiler for you. There's, I'll, I'll put it Dothamere this way. Dothamir stuff is a spoiler for me. Yeah, th- this isn't specifically Dothamir. What okay. I will say is there's two different ways to unlock something in the game. And one way is kind of lackluster and the other way is pretty rewarding. And the way it's pretty rewarding is if you, from what I've seen and what I've personally experienced, is if you go back to Bogano and explore the areas that are now uh, accessible to you with your force powers that you've gained so before you go to Dothamir. This, but I'm not like familiar with the details, so go ahead, don't worry about spoiling. Go ahead and say it. Okay, so the double-sided lightsaber. See, I thought that was Dothamir. I thought you went to Dothamir... No, so that's the lackluster way to get it. There's a way okay, you get okay, in Dothamir okay. that is like presented with no glitz and glamour, and it's kind of like bleh. Okay, and I, obviously I don't okay. want to spoil the specifics of having the Dothamir. If yeah. you actually Which go back is to Bog- how I'll probably get it because I don't think I'm going to go back to Bogano. Yeah, so if you go back to Bogano uh, and you do one of the areas that's now accessible to you via uh, your force push, you can. Um, get it in a really cool way. There's a, a specific story beat that lets you understand why you're attaching it and making a double-sided lightsaber. And it's actually, it, it's not too time-consuming either. Uh, Did it's, you do that? Version? Yeah, I no, I didn't know that going in. So basically, when I finished Zepho, uh, Seer had made a comment of like, hey, with your new force uh, push ability, maybe you want to go back to Bogano and see if you can uh, figure anything else out, right? She's like, okay, okay, she's hinting at that, so maybe I want to go back. So I went back. I looked at all the inaccessible areas. I did a couple of them, uh, and it's obviously some more collectible items for your, your lightsaber for customizing, yada, yada, yada. But then one of them specifically, you push across the bridge. It's actually a bridge that's uh, next to the second Ogdo Bogdo that you can fight on Bogano, the one down below with all of the little uh, like white four-legged creature guys around him. Um okay. It's like right before you get the wall running ability. There's a bridge there that's up in the air. And with your force push, you push it over, you go across. And there's a little area you walk up. And you actually go and find uh, Cordova's like hideout. And there's some story cool. beats in there that lead towards you getting the double-sided lightsaber. Um, and from what I've heard, th- that's the more fulfilling thing. Because people have gone the Dothamir route and been like, wow, that's kind of lackluster and it doesn't really it's like eh okay cool whereas with this so one can you just tell me the story of how you get it with the Pagano route it basically just talks uh, so the on Pagano the second one you attach to it is actually Cordova's lightsaber um you actually find gotcha. it there in his abandoned workshop and they talk uh uh BD1 talks to you about it and he left it here and why he uh partially why he had to leave or why he left it here um and it's a really cool moment of uh, Cal putting it together and talking about how, 
well, if I'm doing this mission for Cordova, I want him to be a part of this in, in, in any way he can, yada, yada, yada. And you actually get attached it that way. Whereas on Dothamir, it's a little uh, less interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To me, I think sometimes that's cool if you're super into a game and you want to have your your kind of golden path that you go on and you get the better ending if you're playing The Witcher or something like that. Um, but I think on this one, I'm just going to take the easy route, maybe look up the cutscene on YouTube from Bogano, but uh, I, I can totally understand like people wanting kind of a little bit more um, circumstance around there. Upgrade yeah, to this double-bladed lightsaber. I didn't know about that going in. It was actually a surprise to me, right? And then I looked right. it up afterwards. Um, and for me, it was more of a exploration thing. Like, I really enjoy exploring in this game, so I didn't mind going back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, I had already been to... I guess, no, I hadn't been to Dothamir because I went afterwards. Um, but going to Dothamir afterwards, in retrospect, I was like, I'm glad I did that personally. But yeah, it's like, it's whether you want to do it or not. It's up to you. Um, yep. In terms of the gameplay, Dothamir does provide a pretty neat... Uh, difficulty spike. Uh, it's not as drastic as people led me to believe. People are like, that's where you'll see the real difficulty. Like, it's harder, but as somebody who's played a lot of, and obviously this game gets compared to from uh, from games a lot, it's. I could see why people who don't necessarily play those type of games would consider this specific area much more difficult, right? Mm. But it, it it seems to have the same scaling as a from game. So if you actually have a handle on the combat and the force powers and everything. You'll be good to go. Uh, Kashyyyk was cool. It's The thing that sucks about Kashyyyk is that that planet, at least the first time you go, because I didn't even know you go back a second time, so you had told me that. Yeah. The first time you go to Kashyyyk, that whole thing was the marketing for this game entirely. So uh, I already... N nothing in K Kashyyyk the first time around was new to me. Uh, gotcha. Everything was... Except for uh, the last fight you have uh, on that little, like, base with all of the stormtroopers coming down. That's, like, the only yeah. thing in Kashyyyk that wasn't shown. Everything else, the when you're releasing the uh, Wookiees inside, uh, a couple of the fights you have, all of that stuff was pretty much already known. Um, so, that kind of... I wouldn't say it sucks because it's on me not to watch the marketing and stuff. But, right. um, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Pretty uh, pretty funny to me that, uh, you know, we're moving into this next generation in 2020 and still having a lot of trouble making Wookiee fur look decent in a video game. Still having a lot of trouble with that. <laughs> yeah. That's just something I overlook because I'm like, oh, yeah, again, Wookiee Wookie fur just looks not good. Um, which is funny because, like, the characters – the characters, too, never present themselves, and obviously it's a product of the time, so I don't want to hassle it too much. But even the Wookiee suit for Chewbacca doesn't look like real fur. It looks like Wookiee fur, if that makes sense. Like, it looks like its own thing. It never really presents itself to me. Even in uh, The Force Awakens or Last Jedi, it never really presents itself to me as real animal fur. I'm always just like, oh, that's Wookiee fur. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's a shame that they still can't really nail that. Um, in terms of combat, I'm still loving it. Uh, the force push mechanic comes in really handy uh, when you don't really want to deal with enemies because you can just push them off the ledges. But I do like that there are enemies who can't be affected by it, so it doesn't make things necessarily a cakewalk. Um, 
I do want to talk. I did want to talk about the dual-sided uh, lightsaber and the combat with that, but I think I'll actually wait until we've both experienced that, so we can bounce our our kind of thoughts on it um, back and forth instead of me just talking about something you haven't had a chance to experience yet. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'm enjoying it. Uh, obviously, it's not a super polished game uh, in terms of it still has those video game things we talked about. Uh, I know I'm also taking a secondary performance hit because I am playing on the the VCR Xbox One. Uh, yeah. But I, I am still enjoying it very much. It's just a really fun game, and it's something that I not necessarily needed, but it felt right at this point of the year to be able to play something that's just pure fun. And in terms of the Star Wars of it, I think it's nailing all of that. Um, I do think, unfortunately, that this also, because of some of those bugs and stuff, Knowing Respawn's track record, I still think it's a very solid game and it's well built. But that stuff to me is... They were also under the confines of hitting a date for a Star Wars game. You know what I mean? And you can see that it's yeah. apparent that this game needed to come out at a certain point. Um, I also... Another thing I've been thinking about since you mentioned Respawn specifically is that this is a studio since before they were even Respawn was making first-person shooters. Yeah. And... I think you can really tell, unfortunately, uh, maybe even a little bit more than you could like with Horizon and Gorilla, even though that was still kind of there, um, that it was their first real big venture out into, you know, third person action adventure in both cases. But, um, you know, for a first person uh, shooter studio for the most part I would say that uh, they do a pretty good job but I think there is growing pains there when you're jumping over to this entirely new genre yeah and I think hopefully we'll see jumps in the the quality for this new genre they're tackling with the sequel because there will be yeah. a sequel we're not covering any news this week but this game sold really well shocker I know a well reviewed Star Wars game even poorly reviewed Star Wars game sell well so that's no shocker yeah. there uh yeah, it's just one of those games that because obviously I think you and Dom are, are more I guess diehard wouldn't be the right word, but deeper Star Wars fans than I am. It's just one of those games that I don't want to talk about a lot of the narrative until we're all finished, uh, which will likely be after holiday break or you know not necessarily finished, but we all have an understanding of the story. Um, and we've already kind of talked about the combat, so there's not much left for me to say until after we come back from holiday break for that. And those are pretty much the only two games I played. So what about you? What did you tackle this week? As far as games, I would say those are the only two I played as well. Pokemon okay. and Jedi Fallen Order. <coughs> um, played, uh, I would say, a decent amount of both. Um, Pokemon, I have five badges, I think. Um and I think I'm between like 15 and 20 hours in uh, playtime. Um, I would say most of my uh, comments from last week I would I would stick with, um, but I'm still having fun with it. Even though it's I don't know if disappointment is the right word because it is a solid game, but. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more, even though it is kind of their first outing on a console. I still think there's some things that they could have tightened up character animations and, you know, some Pokemon design, stuff like that. But um, one cool thing to know real quick is after looking at the gym leaders for both Sword and Shield, Shield definitely has the better gym leaders. So 
we pretty much have I did that one. Yeah, so we pretty much have six trainers that are the same, but the okay. difference is is that you have a ghost trainer instead of a fighting trainer. Right. Uh, which is I think cooler. I, I like the the fighting gym leader, but in terms of a type for a gym, we don't necessarily see ghost all that often. We see fighting quite a bit. And the right. other one is instead of the ground gym leader, who's also a very common type gym leader, uh, that version has the ice gym leader, who also happens to be the only gym leader in that entire game that has a complete team of either Galar native Pokemon or Galarian form Pokemon. Meaning that mm. every other gym leader in the game has at least one or multiples or most of their team consisting of previous gen Pokemon that look exactly the same that don't have a Galarian form and they only maybe have one Galarian Pokemon or Galarian form Pokemon. So overall, Yo, Shield has the better grouping of gym leaders. Shout out to Galarian Ponyta, which is straight up just My Little Pony. My Little Pony. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy fuck. Um, Way to get so, that young girl demographic, man. <laughs> they nailed it. One other thing is, I think last week you talked a little bit about uh, like quality of life type of stuff. And for me, this is kind of a situation like Borderlands 3 where, yes, they did bring some of that stuff in to the series with this game, uh, this most recent game, but I feel like they could have done more. And one thing that I would really like to see, which is, I would say, pretty much commonplace in modern RPGs at this point, Japanese RPGs, I should say, uh, which is, in turn-based stuff, which is... Um, kind of a fast forward button for battles you know um and i feel like they kind of get that you know training needs to be a little bit more convenient and a little less grindy that's why your pokemon are leveling up alongside each other as opposed to one by one so um certain things like that i would like to see more of um so in sun and moon a, sorry you have a uh, bike so... in this game but the jogging to me is still pretty slow. I would like to be able to actually run like you could in previous Pokemon games. Some some things to kind of speed things up along the way uh, since it is, there's still a grindy nature to it regardless, you know. In Sun and Moon, you can speed up uh, battles, like the battle speed. Right. You can speed all that up. Right. I don't know if that option is actually available in this game. I haven't even looked. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, yeah. And certainly not in the options menu that I've seen and uh, I've obviously looked because that's something I'm big on. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's still certainly fun and, and I'm glad that we have um, a Pokemon game on the Switch, I would say, is, is really my biggest thing about this game. Um, I'm sh Are you, do you think that you'll jump into a, a Ultra Sword, Ultra Shield type of thing? next year um those are tough because the third games have really been hit or miss in terms of the changes they make in it yeah. and the differences that make it worthy of playing if i think for doing the swapping out the gym leaders like you were talking about last week will you be down i think so i mean it also depends on where it hits in the year with other releases and right. how close it is to next gen because that's going to be a pricey time for me too um but let's say you know it's a perfect time for it to release and we hear about the new gym leader changes and maybe there's an additional because usually those third games have an additional like post game story i'll be in right uh i'll be in to tackle it again the funny thing too with this so game is probably i guess because they're probably going to do the stuff that you're looking for 
Yeah, probably. And th- who knows if they even make a third one? Uh, because they've done they've skipped uh, points where they've done a, a third game in the series. But yeah, I think it's pretty likely with this one. Yeah, the funny thing too with you saying you know this is the 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 obviously the first mainline Pokemon game on Switch. I think people are a little bit more forgiving of it because of the Let's Go games coming out first. Uh, yeah. Which for people who want more changes to the franchise and to, to for it to progress more towards the modern age of JRPGs, I think that was one of the biggest detriments towards it because, in terms of fan feedback, because Let's Go came out and hardcore fans were like, "Yeah, oh, this is whatever. It's baby's first, baby's first Pokemon." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this game comes out, and yeah, there's the complaints about the national decks and all of that, but they're like, at least this isn't Let's Go because there was. A large contingent of the fan base that was worried that Let's Go was going to be the future of Pokemon games, uh, right? Yuy, yuy. Which would have been terrible, because uh, the complaint, the complaints that are all justified for Sword and Shield, it's head and shoulders above what Let's Go is doing, which is right. funny because <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield is so far behind from what it should be. Um, but yeah, I, I think Let's Go had a huge play in people being a little bit more thankful <laughs> for sword and shield that it there wasn't let's go. go yeah what about a uh, uh, jedi fallen order you have anything you want to talk about yeah so um just a couple things to add on to what we talked about a minute ago um like i said i just finished my return to zepho um and so yeah i think we're, we've probably played it about the same amount, Jared, since you've been to Dothamir. Okay. Um, so, but uh, I guess, yeah, it, it's kind of weird because of the optional pathing. But anyways, um, I was kind of glad to hear that there's that I wasn't the only one kind of upset with the not only glitches and um, kind of video gamey bullshit that came with the game, but also just the... Um, a little bit of the minutia of the game that uh, was a little bit wonky, not quite there for me, um, which is usually I feel kind of alone in a lot of uh, conversations with games about um, about like I said the minutia of what I feel like is wrong with the game, um, but it feels like other people are kind of agreeing with me on this one that uh, this game is is close but it's not all the way there in the sense that uh you know part partly that means polish part of that is um the just overall gameplay the combat um all those sorts of things so um yeah i'm still enjoying it quite a bit i will say as someone who is uh quite a deep star wars fan as you mentioned earlier um, it is hitting a lot of those lore aspects that I uh, am enjoying quite a bit. Some of the deeper stuff and some of the more uh, mystic aspects of the Star Wars universe, which is something that we have been uh, really, really missing since Disney took over and even a lot in the prequel era with George Lucas. I think uh, we could have had a lot more of that and stuff like Clone Wars has been keeping that alive. So. I appreciate that part of the game quite a bit, and just the story in general I think is pretty solid. Um, I do think it looks pretty damn good. Uh, when it looks good, you know, it, it certainly has its moments. 
um, but you know the lightsaber being swung around and stuff like that there are a lot of, of beautiful moments in and out of cutscenes holding uh, up your lightsaber well. in the dark so cool absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of great stuff in this game a lot of great Star Wars stuff in this game like you said uh, stuff that's just be getting to be a Jedi um, there's a lot of cool aspects of that so um, like you said, I'm also excited to see where we go with a possible sequel or probable sequel because I do think that there, as I mentioned earlier, there could be growing pains here with this being Respawn's first time stepping out of first-person shooters and into third-person action. So um, I would like to see where they go from here, and I think it's a pretty damn good start. Um also, shout out to the the Inquisitors. I really like that they're a big part of the the villainy of this game. I think that um, you know they're from originally from Star Wars Rebels, and that's another really cool lore aspect of the Star Wars universe. So I like that they're being incorporated here, uh, that little piece. So, real yeah. quick, we can both assume neither of us have finished the game. We can both assume Cal probably lives because he's the main character of the game. Uh, yes, obviously. The reason I wanted to start with that is what do you think the chances are of us possibly getting a disney plus series with him leading it uh as the you know the person who plays him is an, an a, a, a live action actor uh, and right. not just a voice actor what do you think the prospects are of that obviously we neither of us have finished the story so we don't know where we sit on him as a character by the end of his journey in this game yeah. but just generally speaking i guess would you be open to that at your at this current moment I would be open to it. I think that there's way, way more, uh, plenty of interesting characters out there that I would want to see before him. Yeah. And um, also plenty of ideas for characters that you could go with. Cal is, you know, serving his purpose in this whole Fallen Order scenario where he is uh, an escaped Padawan from Order 66, but... Um, that's not even the first time that's been told. It's very similar to Kanan from Star Wars Rebels, um, who is a very similar situation with his uh, Jedi Master dying in Order 66. So, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's other people. And also, I think there's other characters that are much more likely to get their own series. If anything, since he already has his thing that he stars in, which is this you know big-budget video game series that we have now, I think, if anything, he would be, for live action, maybe, um, most likely, I could see him in, like, jumping over to an animated series, but now that we have live action Star Wars stuff, that is, that brings something different into the conversation, but I could see him, you know, Cal just popping up, or maybe some characters from Fallen Order, Seer, or whoever, popping up in other Star Wars media that isn't just a comic or a novel, because, of course, they're going to pop up there. Um, but yeah, I would personally, I would like to see other like Star Wars Disney plus series before the Cal Kestis stuff. And also personally, I would kind of like to see the, the next game have a different protagonist. I think that would be really cool. And maybe Cal's a big part of it, but you could either, maybe it would be retreading too much old ground. I mean... You could do another escaped Padawan that takes a totally different path and goes to totally different planets, but you could also just have another uh, Jedi 
maybe it's a master that survived or who the fuck ever that is just kind of picking up the story where this one leaves off and like I said maybe Cal pops up but um, I would love to see other Jedi you know possibly a different protagonist yeah because that's the franchise essentially it's Star Wars Jedi semicolon right whatever Star Wars Jedi this is you know this alien chick story now you know she's the Star Wars Jedi that we're focusing on yeah it'd be cool if because there's always this uh, the trouble in sequels of, well, you have to depower the main protagonist again so you can so you, you know make the journey back. fulfilling. So instead of doing some weird hokey thing with, with uh, Cal where he loses his powers, maybe right. he is supervising uh, an, another upcoming Jedi. You know, So that would be interesting. Yeah. And they already did kind of a weird thing where he's a little bit older of Adawan to where he already had a lot of powers, but they actually depowered him right before the game starts. Kind of. Yeah. And then you're building back up even in the first game. So instead of just building up the first game and then rebuilding the second game, you're really already rebuilding in the first game, and that might be weird for a whole second time. It would be cool if Seer and Grease were the connective tissue and right. Cal pops up, but they're because their mission is looking for other Padawan and, and you know these lost children, they yeah. could be the connective tissue between the games and the series, you know. Who knows? I would say, without spoiling anything, I think my the most interesting part of the story for me is Seer and her uh, kind of involvement with the Jedi and the Force and her story with that whole uh, you know Order sixty six situation. So um, seeing her being the connective tissue, like you said, could be very cool. Her prequel comic series is really interesting as well that came out. Dark Temple oh, yeah. or something like that. You it's like five it? issues. Uh, I the last issue I don't believe has come out yet, but I, the first four I've read. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm uh, if I finish up the game still with positive attitude, and you're saying that comic series is good, I might go back around for it. There's just there's a lot of Star Wars comic book mini series that come out, so you kind of have to wait and <laughs> see what people say is good, you know. Yeah, and for me, I haven't read any of them at all but when i saw this one as a prequel series i was like it's only five issues i'm already interested in this game might as well you know just one of those things uh is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we head to the topic of the show uh i can give some shout outs here i do want to talk a little bit about star wars clone wars that i've been watching while i play pokemon on my second screen and um you know it's not perfect animation but it is uh high quality 3d cg and it is you know certainly bigger budget than the two 3d cg star wars series that have come since then which is rebels and resistance um it's weird how they've kind of like stair stepped down in quality each time but um yeah it's it's a fun series if you are super into star wars you know i probably wouldn't recommend it for you jared but I think Dom said that he had already finished it, so I think he's, you know, more of the target audience. But if you are super into Star Wars and you are into the deeper lore um, and the characters that aren't necessarily part of the, you know, Skywalker Saga mainline films, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. And and there's plenty of, you know, goofy kid stuff as well. Um same with the music. There's a lot of really good Star Wars music in there. There's a lot of kind of goofy, cartoony stuff in there. But um, generally, I think it's a really solid series for it being six seasons and a movie. 
shout out to community. And uh, now we're jumping into season seven with uh, Disney Plus next year. I think that this is um, certainly one of the better or best pieces of Star Wars media outside of um, you know any of the movies, I would say. And not only Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the 3D series, but also Gendy Tartakovsky's uh, 2D micro series, which precedes it, and it's kind of a spinoff of, um, which I think, you know, this is tough to say, but it is absolutely one of, the 2D series is one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars media of all time, uh, with it being a micro series of like, you know, three to five minute shorts mostly that are woven together into these two basically like hour long movies. Um, it's really well done. If you like the animation style of Gindy Tartakovsky um, on Cartoon Network with stuff like Samurai Jack and Dexter's Laboratory, then this will be right up your alley. And it's a lot of that cool Star Wars lore stuff. You get the introduction to um, Asajj Ventress, one of my favorite characters, and also General Grievous, interestingly enough. So... Um, Lots of cool Star Wars stuff, uh, both new and old, I guess you could say. And um, obviously I had a rocky couple years with Star Wars, me personally, but I'm, I'm enjoying this stuff right now and really hoping for the best on Episode Nine. so we'll see about that. Um, other quick shout-outs. Got to give a shout-out to Darker Than Black, the anime series which is one of my favorites, if not my favorite of all time. Um, it's got two seasons and a four-part OVA uh, interstitial between the two. And um, it is... Jared, I think you'd actually really enjoy this series. It's about this uh, like event that takes place in these gates. They, they call them gates, open up in... I think Tokyo and Brazil's like South America and basically this event this occurrence gives people uh, superpowers essentially and they're called contractors in this world and so a big part of it is that there's this thing called the syndicate that controls these contractors and sends them out on missions and it's this interconnected network around the world um, and then there's other organizations that are warring against them as well. And then there's also dolls, which are a little bit like contractors. Their superpowers are a little bit different, but they're a lot of times trackers that can use like water or different things to track people essentially. And, uh, the contractors are kind of losing their humanity. It seems like because of the powers that they've gained. Um, they also, they have really cool powers, but then they also have these really cool things called payments where it's like this, this really great consequence of having this awesome power where each individual person has a different power, but they also have a different payment. So there's some people that have to smoke a cigarette when they use their powers. There's some people that have to, there's this chick that has to start yanking out her hair when she uses her powers. There's people that eat, people that write poetry, random shit, right? And uh, it's just a really cool concept and um, a lot of cool characters. Um, 
so it's animated by Bones, which I've talked a ton about um, them being, I think, the probably the best animation studio in uh, Japan, and um, having made probably the best, I think, looking anime of all time in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, this was before that, so it's not quite as good looking, but it still is a great looking anime and is very cool has a lot of the superhero like american superhero stuff but with this whole espionage filter over it and is uh between both seasons and the ovas it's like 40 episodes i think so it's not anything too big to undertake but is like i said it's one of my favorites it's really well done the music is fantastic some of the best music in any anime i've ever heard um, a lot of like really cool Japanese jazz and kind of like soul funk stuff that they have going on. Um, but a real big focus on jazz and I really appreciate that part of it. So big shout out to Dark and the Black. And like I said, Jared, I'd, I'd recommend it to you if, if the superhero part of it is any interesting. Is it dubbed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm rewatching it and I usually don't rewatch anime that aren't dubbed because... Um, not with this one, but most of the time if I'm re-watching something, it's not, it's kind of like a passive watch. I'm not as focused. I might be playing games or whatever, but yeah, this one's just so good. Uh, like I said, one of my favorites, so I'm, I'm just going through it actively. But yeah, it's got a solid dub for sure. Um, and then quick shout outs to, um, Yu Yu Hakusho, which is an older 90s, I think, anime, um, which is about, um... A spirit detective is what he's called, and he um, deals with demons. He, the kid basically dies and has to, you know, from the afterlife, um, fight demons and magical beings of all different sorts. It's a really cool show. Uh, definitely an anime classic. Um, shout out to Bill and Ted, both movies. I watched those. Uh, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. Um, definitely some goofy fun times to be had there and uh, if they do a third one I'll check it out and then lastly uh, I watched the season 2 premiere of Titans which we talked a little bit about before the show Jared um, I think I'm actually going to be watching this one a little bit more passively as well probably while I'm playing Pokemon or something like that in the background because I was hoping for a, more of an improvement from season 1 to 2 and as far as what I can tell from the premiere, it doesn't seem like, um, I was hoping they were going less in the direction of like the CW Arrowverse level of quality, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, cause I, I felt like with season one, they had a chance to, to rise above that, but man, for whatever reason, it feels like live action comic book adaptations for the most part on TV are really caught in that sphere of the Arrowverse level of quality. You know, this is certainly better, but it's still, like, I, I don't think season two, episode one was a good episode for the show. I think season one has plenty of way better episodes, but it was still um, not quite where I was hoping. So, like I said, I may just watch it the, the rest of the season in the background. Um, even though we are getting season three out here, so... Yeah, who knows if that comes to DC Universe or the HBO Max thing. HBO Max, yeah, yeah whatever. At this point, who the hell knows? Um, is it everything, Jordan? Um, yeah. 
Do you want to just go ahead and tell me your thoughts on Titan Season 2 so we, so I can kind of just... Because this is uh, not going to upset me or, or you yeah. don't even really need to worry about spoiling me. It's like... There's plenty of like Teen Titans stuff for me to love and cherish comics in the animated show. So if this one isn't, you know, the fucking masterpiece that I would love for it to be, then that's okay. So as somebody who had a lot of issues with the first season if you remember right, right. uh i, I liked I like the first season i definitely didn't love it but i think it had some great parts to it you know it actually got better i think as the season went along too mm. whereas season two gets worse as it goes along oh the, no this it starts off this way and gets worse the writing takes a nosedive yeah. off a cliff like well, real bad I, that's the first thing i noticed with season two episode one i was like man the writing wasn't perfect in season one and you know season one premiere did not have great writing but like they got there and i was hoping that they were going to continue on rising up but season two episode one did not have great writing i think episode if i can remember correctly because i'm already near the end of the season obviously episodes two through like five or six it gets to where season two was at its best which like you said isn't great writing but it's serviceable right then after that point yeah uh then after that point it takes a nosedive there's some really questionable writing in the show. There's some decision-making. There's these whole scenes involving Bruce Wayne, which you would think would be cool, but they don't right. make any sense. With uh, Ian Glenn. What's his name from Game of Thrones? Yep. Yeah. I mean, his whole accent throughout the show is up and down. Like, it's that casting yeah, decision, I think, was poor. He's, a, he's not an American playing Bruce Wayne. Well, even his New York accent sounds like he's British. It's very odd. Wow. Like, he's trying to do a New York accent, but it still sounds British. And it's just because he has such an authentic, unique voice, it, it's it's very yeah. hard. I think the casting was bad. Not that he's a bad actor. I think he's a great actor, but he's a terrible choice for Bruce Wayne. There's some so, scenes in there where he meets with some of the Titans at a diner for no particular reason. Not, no thought is given to why he's meeting with them, why he picked this specific location, what it means, what the whole point of it. It's bad. It's like taking a huge the, – the the silver lining through season two is they do some cool things with Dick. Uh, take that out of context. Uh, mm. And they do a, an interesting little origin to why he becomes Nighthawk and, like, why it's a blue bird Nightwing. and why uh, – sorry, Nightwing and why it's a blue bird and that whole situation – but it's completely gotcha. surrounded by bad writing. I think the girl who I gave a lot of crap for in season one that plays Raven steps up her acting in season two. So I want to give praise where praise is due. But the writing is just so bad. They underutilize Gar. Uh, they introduce um, Connor. And you start to fall in love with Connor because the person they cast for it feels like he's Connor, right? He's strong, but he yeah. still looks young. Super fitting. He looks like he can be made from Superman's DNA. Connor being Superboy. Exactly. Then they completely like write him away from the show, and you don't see him for like four episodes. Uh, it's just poorly written and conceived, and hopefully it comes back with strong in season three because they're gonna end with the reveal of you know Dick in his Nightwing uh, costume, and that'll be the end of season two. But yeah. So which should have been the end of season one. Like should have been this end of episode one season one um he should have just already been nightwing but anyways um especially with 
there being a Jason Todd Robin in the show. It's like, why are there two Robins? Anyways, um, for you, Jared, would you say season two was worth watching slash will you be going for season three? Um, so if season two ends up being on uh, season, sorry, if season three ends up being on DC universe and it releases any time that the next young justice season is coming out, I'll most likely be watching it cause I'm already subscribed. Right. Uh, but if it releases on HBO max and it doesn't come to by that time if DC universe is canceled or whatever happens with it, probably not. Uh, just because the characters that I would be willing to stick around for in the show, it's not even that some of them are being poorly written. It's that they're completely being forgotten about. You know what I mean? So it's different if I was watching it because there were some characters I can attach to as an anchor point, right? And it's like, yeah, everything going else around it isn't great, but at least I have that anchor point and I enjoy this character. With this, it's like they're not even letting my my favorite characters even have a chance to speak. So what's the point, you know? So. That always sucks when you're like, where is my guy? Where is my girl? Like, wh- where are these characters I love that are just like written off of this show or whatever? Exactly. Um, let's hop into the topic real quick before we close out. You're going to be listening to this after Thanksgiving happens because this gets uploaded on Sunday and obviously uh, Thanksgiving happens on a Thursday. So with that being said, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. I just really wanted to mention for both of us a game, a franchise, and a developer we're thankful for. And doesn't we don't need to go on uh, long discussions about it. We can be quick. What I'll say is game. Uh, Pokemon Red and Blue is the game I'm most thankful for because that got me into video games in a way that nothing else really had. I had played uh, Blitz on N64, and I'd even played Mario 64, but those games, A, was in my console, and B, they were like, oh, I'll pick that up and play for 15 minutes and then never think about it, right? But when I got my Game Boy and I got Pokemon Red and Blue, it really hooked me in a sense of like, oh... I can cater a game to my experience and it can be my adventure. And ever since then, I've loved video games. Um, Obviously, for our generation, that's a huge touchstone in video games is that first Pokemon game. Um, In terms of franchise, I would say Mass Effect. Because in the same way that Pokemon made it so I fell in love with video games, Mass Effect made sure I stayed in love with video games. So... Around that time when the first Mass Effect, yeah, around the time that the first Mass Effect game released, um, I wasn't necessarily waning on video games, but that era was kind of stale, where there was a lot of sameness, you know, with protagonists and just stories, and it just didn't feel like it was necessarily going anywhere, uh, and I just didn't know if. I was going to have a new refreshing experience. I was going to reinvigorate my love for video games. If they were all just going to be third person action games or, you know, whatever. So when I first played mass effect, I was like, Whoa, this is incredible. And I got the same feeling I did with Pokemon where I, this is, there's this big, vast open world. I can cater this adventure to myself. I love sci-fi. So it's doing all these really cool things. Um, obviously I didn't do combat necessarily perfect, but I really love that game, and Mass Effect 2 is probably the most hyped I've ever been for a video game release ever, period, point blank. Word. And the great thing is that game actually met my expectations, you know? That's my favorite game oh, of all yeah. time. I love... It aped the structure of the storytelling from so many things before it. 
uh, of, you know, you're gathering your crew together, you build uh, relationships with them through individual missions, and you learn more about each of those characters, and you can build bonds with those characters. Some of them can die, some of them can live. Exactly. Uh, I think the boss fight at the end of Mass Effect 2 isn't great, but I do think it gets a worse rap than it deserves. People are like, oh, it's one of the worst boss fights ever. It's like, it's a weird, janky, like, Terminator fight. <laughs> but even then, I would argue it's probably the best Terminator uh, boss fight in video games ever. Because, <laughs> you Whoa. know, Terminator games haven't really had great video games. Haven't really had a lot of great movies, from what I've heard, either. Uh, outside of the first two. Anyways. Um, yeah, so Mass Effect, I would say, is the, the franchise I'm most thankful for. And the developer... Uh, I would say from software, and they fall in line with the, the kind of the third rejuvenation of this. Of I, I wasn't at the point I was with Mass Effect where I was like, oh, am I still going to continue playing games? I was like, yeah. I'm going to be continue playing games for the rest of my life. But it gave me a different type of experience I didn't know I loved. Right? I never played a game like Dark Souls where it was challenging, but to me very, very rewarding. And it yeah. wasn't the cookie cutter difficulties we see in games. It you know, held no punches. It had these really cool boss fights. The art style and the world was just, it reminded yeah. me so much of the darkest parts of Lord of the Rings, which I love. Um, and obviously to get Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 and even Sekiro now. I have Bloodborne. I can't wait to get to it. That's uh, my next From game I'm going to play. I think I'll be have time to play it before Elden Ring comes out, which is good. Um, but I just like that they introduced me to a type of game that I didn't know I would love and be considered for me one of my favorite types of games. The mix of the very tight combat and the Metroidvania uh, exploration to it. Um, mm. Yeah, I just, those three things are probably the things I'm most thankful for and who knows if that'll change in the future. What about you? Okay, so game, franchise, and developer. Game, Correct. franchise, and developer, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go with developer first, actually, um, which is Sucker Punch, uh, a first-party Sony studio uh, that is uh, based near Seattle and created uh, not only Sly Cooper franchise, but also the infamous franchise, and now we're looking at possibly the Ghost of Tsushima franchise, if you will. Um, on PS4 and 5 beyond who knows so um, Sly Cooper when I was a kid was an incredible series for me that is so artistically done and I really appreciate that aspect of it also love the gameplay um, and then of course I've talked about Infamous tons of times on this show and how much I love that series and now looking at this, you know, ninja samurai style game that we're about to get with Ghost of Tsushima next year, um, I am absolutely hyped for that. It's one of, if not my most hyped games. And I would say that, you know, this is Sucker Punch is probably my favorite video game studio. So um, I am certainly very thankful for them and all the awesome um games that they've brought forth specifically the fact that they seem to uh really respect gameplay above all maybe they don't always have the best stories especially infamous games but uh nonetheless they are uh dynamite to play and i appreciate that immensely about their games so 
here's to Ghost of Tsushima. Hoping that's great next year. Um, if there's a single game, let's see. Shoot. You know, there's just so many, Jared. There's so, so many games. You got to choose one. Um, oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, uh, big surprise here, Jared. The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. That's what um, I expected. The reason, yeah, the reason that I talk about this game so much and the reason that I want to talk about it here, being thankful for it, is because it defined a generation, that being this generation, in a way that no game has done before for me. Uh, I tend to have so many various uh, and diverse experiences throughout a generation that they don't necessarily blend together, but they it becomes more of a spectrum of feeling when I think about a certain generation as opposed to, oh, this game, right? But... Um, I can remember when The Witcher 3 was about to come out, and I was, you know, playing through Witcher 2, really enjoyed that game, loved that as well. But they were talking about how you could pretty easily put 200 hours into The Witcher 3's story, and so I decided to go ahead and do that, and um, did as much as I possibly could. I didn't necessarily 100% the game, but I picked up every quest that I could and, and completed all of them, and... Um, side quest, main quest, whatever, and um, certainly explored plenty of corners of that game, you know, 90% plus, and saw just about everything that it has to offer to the point of um, not necessarily worrying about whatever uh, little crevice I might have missed, but um, regardless, I think it is just such a special game, and you know, has both it and Witcher 2 have brought me into The Witcher um, in a way that I didn't expect to really love something uh, when it comes to the fantasy novels. And now we've got the adaptation on Netflix uh, coming in less than a month um, that I'm also really excited about. So, yeah, The Witcher 3 is, is uh, goofily enough, or goofy enough, I guess it is to say, um, it's it's more than just a single game for me, but it is a special, or a, excuse me, a very special game, singularly as well. So um, I talk about it all the time, bring it up when we uh, do little things like this constantly. But it is that fucking special, and I am certainly excited to see what uh, CD Projekt does with Cyberpunk next year. So shout out to that. Quick shout out. And then franchise, correct? That's yeah. the last one. So, um, let's say um, a little bit different from what you did since you said Pokemon Red and Blue were your specific game, correct? Yeah. You were thankful for. So I will say, as a franchise, I am thankful for Pokemon. I know that it has not necessarily evolved. We were talking about the sort of pace that it evolves at is not necessarily what we're... Uh, usually looking for in the mainline series right jared we would like like it to move a little bit forward and certainly would have someone describe it as glacial (laughs) yeah it is it is certainly glacial but nonetheless they make solid games i think you can agree on that right and uh there's something to be said for that because even series that don't happen to evolve very often or at, at 
uh, pace that their fans would like them to. Um, even they sometimes can't always release a solid game. And throughout the years, whether I've hopped into the generation or you know stayed on the sidelines and let people like you uh, go for the games, um, there's always been a Pokemon game since, like you were talking about, Red and Blue were the ones that taught me how to read. You know, I was I was encouraged to learn how to read just so that I could understand this cool new game that I had on my Game Boy Color back in the day. So, um, yeah, the Pokemon franchise is obviously very special, like you said, to a lot of people our age and is special to a lot of people of all ages. So we now have um, the live-action Detective Pikachu movie, which is really cool. We have, obviously, Pokemon Sword and Shield on Switch. Um, the anime is still going strong after, what, 22 seasons, I think? So it is clearly a very special franchise, right? Um, the movies that used to be events for us as kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they still have... Uh, solid animated films coming out with yeah. like uh, you know I Choose You and stuff like that so um, the Pokemon franchise you could say is in a pretty decent spot yes we'd like it to grow a little bit more and I would like to see it accommodate the adults that have been with it for so long now I don't necessarily need something dark and gritty because I do think it it does fit in all ages vibe probably best but I feel like there could be some really cool um, stuff in the future. Hopefully, maybe they'll come around a little bit more and give us, uh, that have been with it for so long, uh, a little bit more of a nod. So, um, yeah, the Pokemon franchise, though it's not my favorite, I would say, and though I'm not always dying to play the current Pokemon game, there's certainly been many generations that I have jumped in on and have watched plenty of the anime and the movies and the Detective Pikachu and, and all this. So I'm, I'm certainly a gigantic fan, even though I may not be like super hardcore like you, Jared, or, or the stats people that are out there finding shinies and shit like that. I can certainly say that I am a massive fan of the series. So very thankful for the Pokemon franchise. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You guys are listening to this after Thanksgiving, so hopefully everyone out there that, that hears this had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, thankful. I, I, <laughs> I want to say I'm thankful for being able to do this podcast every week, or at least every we try to hit every week. We're, we miss sometimes. Jared, but. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. We're thankful for having you here. <laughs> uh, if you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It helps us move up in the algorithm there, and more people can see the podcast algorithm. and listen to it. If you can go to YouTube, search Controlled Interest, will pop up. Subscribe, hit the like uh, button if you enjoy our podcast, and hit the notification bell so you don't have to worry about dealing with the YouTube subscription box and you'll know whenever a new podcast goes up, usually on Sundays at 8 a.m. Uh, lastly, go to Twitter, search CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest abbreviated. We should pop up there. And individually, you can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom, who's not with us today, at Dom's Oreos. And you can follow Jordan at Melamotus. We will catch you guys next week when we go over our Game Awards predictions. See you then. Bye.